You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Leaders take risk. You'll find people like Bird who went and explored, you know, the Arctic, the Antarctic, that kind of thing. They had to be bold, they had to be courageous. Christopher Columbus. It, it requires courage in an area. For some people, it's going into a certain nation. But they have to be willing to take the risk. In business, it's going in and finding that niche that everybody else says, you know, won't work or can't produce. And yet you're bold and courageous to go in and feel that need and meet it right then and there. In other words, people are looking for someone that they can have confidence in. If you don't have boldness, you can pray for boldness. Okay? That's a part of what would help make you a leader. If, if, that's, if that's one of the things that you're struggling with, you don't feel bold. Uh... With the insecurities that I had as a young man, it was hard for me to feel bold about things. But I have found that there are certain things that will produce boldness. One is prayer. Second is knowledge. Uh, when you know something, you can be bold about it. But if you're unsure of yourself, then you don't have the boldness. So, they're risk takers. I took a risk. You may have a hard time understanding this. I don't know. I took a risk years ago of going with Kenneth Hagin when it was not popular. When Word of Faith was not known throughout the nation. When Brother Hagin would refer to his ministry, he was a prophet and teacher, and my family didn't know a prophet from a loss. And nearly every one of them were concerned about, and primarily because of the way that he prayed to get people filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, and he'd had a revelation from God, and it was the easiest thing in the world for him to get people filled with the Spirit because he had knowledge, and he would do it. But I remember for me to go with him was a major risk when I committed my whole life and my whole being. I don't mind telling you, it was a financial risk. I left being a music and youth director of a church to where... Uh, you know, my apartment was provided, no utilities, uh, made $100 a week. You got to understand, this is back in 1964, 65, 66, in there. I went with Brother Hagen in the fall of 66, and my wife and I both worked full-time for $50 a week. Now, that's a risk, particularly when you got two children. Next year, though, we got a wonderful raise, $55. <laughs> I must not have done too well the next few years because for four years I made $55 a week. <laughs> now that was a risk. Okay? But to me, in reality, it wasn't because I was so sure that I was doing the will of God and that it was the right thing. Amen. That in my mind, I didn't perceive it as risk. I perceived it as being willing to pay a price. 
And that's what some people are unable to do. They're not willing to pay the price that it takes. That's why, that's why a lot of uh, 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 people that can't do missions work, they're not willing to pay the price. They're not willing to take that risk. The risk of rejection, the risk of failure. You know? Do you know, I've had more trouble handling success than I had fear of failure. That's a new thought for some of you. I've had more trouble handling success than I ever faced in fear of failure. But a leader has to be bold. He has to be courageous. You know, if you don't have that boldness, pray for it. If you lack boldness, get some knowledge so that you know what you're bold about. That's why Paul could make statements, I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded. He wasn't halfway persuaded. I mean, where do you, where you think we wrote the song Almost Persuaded? Because people who were halfway persuaded, they weren't fully persuaded. Abraham was fully persuaded what God had promised he was able to perform. And there's a boldness that has to come if you're going to be a leader. A boldness to take charge and say, hey, this is the way it is. Now, I'm not talking about lording it over God's people. Okay? I'm not talking about dominating, you know, ruling over in a sense how some people see it. You know, in my mind, we're co-laborers together with Christ. I have my place, they have their place. As far as I'm concerned, we're all working for God. See? But we just work better if everybody's in their place. The Bible talks about being fitly joined together. How, how many of you know that your hand don't fit on your kneecap real well? And there's just there's certain places in the body you don't fit. And that's why you can't be a leader with some people is because it, it, it don't fit. Okay? They need to be under somebody else's leadership. Well, we're off a little bit here, but leaders are risk takers. Risk takers. I took a risk going with Brother Hagin. I took a risk starting a Harrison house. I took a risk pulling honor out of Harrison House and making it its own corporation. I mean, it just seems like all the time I'm running some kind of risk. I'm running risk of uh, becoming friends with certain people. I remember years ago when the, when the shepherding teaching was so dominant, you know what I mean? They were actually manipulating people's lives. Uh, I ran the risk. I was a friend of Bob Mumford. I flew to Florida. He tried twice to get a nonprofit organization, couldn't get it. I flew to Florida, found someone who had one, got him in control of it, and set him up. He didn't even own copyrights to his own tapes. I got, he'd never got, he'd published books, three books, never got a dime out of it. I turned around, set the whole thing up, started all over. I, I went to Derek Prince. He had his son-in-law come to town. I, I set him up in the radio ministry. Their radio ministry is going today because I helped them and took a risk. You talk about some people in faith. You mean you'd help Derry Prince? You'd help Bob Mumford? Yeah, last I heard, they were in the body. Amen. Now, we may not agree on every doctrine. See, I, I think somebody gets into fallacy here, and that's why they won't take risk, is because they're, they're afraid of how things will come about. But when you're a leader, you'll be willing to take risk. Well, uh, I know this would be a shock to you, but I don't agree with my wife on everything. 
and I really take some risks sometimes. <laughs> There's been times I was afraid she'd kill me and tell God I just died. <laughs> You're running those risks. But that's a part of being a leader. You've got to be willing. It takes the bold, the courageous to stand out there and say, this is right. This is what you do because it's the right thing to do. Some people are like it, some people won't. But you do it because it's right, and you can, be, you can be bold in it, so you can take your risk. Now, if you understand that you can take risks based upon two things. One, you have a clear sense of purpose. And second one, you can take a risk if you know number 12. And number 12 is, leaders have a fail-safe attitude. Leaders have a fail-safe attitude. What's that saying? That's saying, even if I blow it and mess up, I'll try again. See, you can take risk only if you have a clear sense of purpose and you have a fail-safe attitude. If you don't have those two, you know, two features in your life, you won't take risk. But you have to have a clear sense of purpose and a fail-safe attitude. Have you ever heard the old saying, try, try again? You know? And that's what a leader has to be willing to do. Even if something didn't work right the first time. Go back and try it again until you get it right. Now, it's better to have knowledge to where you can do it right and not just be trying. But the attitude that's involved is, I'm not going to quit just because something failed. See, just because you failed don't make you a failure. You have to get that clear. I've had a lot of things fail, but I ain't a failure. I've had, I've, I've had some humdinger failures. I remember when we put WordNet together back in when, 1981, you know, 14 years ago, I was putting together a computer network for churches then. It failed. I lost a quarter million dollars in it. Now, that ain't chicken feed. And I know some people could stand around and look at me and say, Brother, you're a failure. You didn't get that through. No, I blew that one. But you know what? I kept on going, and I've had some other things that's really wrong. Are you here? Amen. See, you can be a risk taker when you have a clear sense of purpose and you have a fail-safe attitude. See, because that fail-safe attitude says, even if I don't make it this time, I'll keep on going until I do make it. My wife hates this one. I guess that's why I love to use it, so. <laughs> I don't get to pick on her very much. And I've always thought this was wonderful. This was, my source may not be what a lot of people wanted. It was the Three Stooges. You know? And it was dealing with an orange one day. You know, you've heard the old saying, if at first don't succeed, try, try again. Well, what's the... Three Stooges, it was this. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. (laughs) 
Now, if you have a fail-safe attitude, you just keep on going. Okay? You're willing to take that risk. For me, hey, I've lost money. I've made money. See, now if money controls you, then there's a fear there that you'll lose. Now, I don't mean that I'm flippant about it. Don't read that into it. But I just refuse to let that stop me from going on being what God wants me to be, endeavoring to do what God wants me to do. Okay, so it's not some, you know, flippant, carefree type mentality. It's a determination that says, okay, that didn't work. I didn't get it right. I'm going to do better this time and try to get it right. Okay. And so with that, I'll run the risk. You know? I remember when I made the risk, you don't think it didn't cost me when I moved from downtown Tulsa to north Tulsa with the church? When I prayed about it and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what about this move? He said, it's fine. I said, that's what I want you to do. I said, now you'll lose a few people. Now, my definition of a few <laughs> and God's definition of a few See, in Noah's day, it said a few were saved. And that was eight of them, wasn't it? <laughs> so eight's the number for few. I went to North Tulsa with 2,200 people. And six weeks later, I looked up and had 600 left. I'd lost 1,600 people, doubled my overhead. And I don't know if you know it, but I took a risk. Okay? Now, how could I take that risk? I had a clear sense of purpose. And I had a fail-safe attitude. I'll keep on going till I get it right. Say, so, well, brother, that's not God's best. Who are you to say? He's the one who told me to go. He's going to have to answer for that. That's not my problem. How many find out if you'll, if you'll mind your own business, God minds his, everything turns out all right? <laughs> Stand around second-guessing all the time will drive you nuts. Right? And if he wants to straighten me out on it, all he has to do is talk. He's an intelligent being. I'm an intelligent being. We can converse any time. As far as I'm concerned, I still did the will of God. Yet there's a lot of people that use me and my church as an example of failure. That's all right. Rave on, Roxana. <laughs> she plays on Looney Tunes. I'm still winning. Okay. And I've done the will of God. I mean, no, doing the will of God is more important than anything else. It's a clear sense of purpose. I'll run that risk. You know? Would you do it again if God told me? Absolutely. I'm not going to stand around second-guess myself. You know? Yet, too many people will. Quality number 13. Leaders are the best followers. Why? Because they serve the need of people. They serve the need. Now, let me, let me say this to you. You meet people at the point of their need, not because they have a need, but that's where you have to meet them. Okay? That's what's wrong with many preachers today, is they are trying. The reason their churches don't grow is what they're trying to do is serve the need of people. You'll wind up serving the need of people. My purpose is to obey God. See, I'm following Christ. 
I'm asking them to follow me as I follow Christ. And if they're going to follow me, I'm going to have to serve them. But I'm not serving them because they have a need. I'll serve them at the point of their need. But I'm serving them because I'm doing the will of God. Am I making sense? Yeah. See, and preachers who come along, and they're trying, and what they'll do is they'll start trying to meet every need in every congregation. And at the risk of sounding extremely crude, let me put it real bluntly. You ain't got enough udders. Even an old dog only has so many hookups. Do you understand it? And you've got to realize that's reality, folks. There's only so many people you can take care of, so many, so many people you can meet. You've got, to, you, you, you've got to make up your mind that you're doing it for the right reason. Not to make them happy. I'm doing it to make God happy. If I get him happy, they'll get happy somewhere along the way. If not now, later. And that's the only way some people have ever been happy is when it's later. I can look back at the times that I was ticked and upset with Brother Hagin and didn't like what he had done. It was immaturity on my part because later on, as I grew and mature, I realized all of a sudden he had done the right thing for the right purpose, the right reason at the right time. I'd just been a yo-yo and a nerd, not enough to know what was right. And a little bit later, I became happy with it. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Maybe years later before they're happy with it. I've had young men tell me, you just don't spend enough time with me. Well, I'm giving as much time as I got doing the best I know how to do. Are you following what I'm saying? And see, you've got to understand, a leader, he will wind up serving them at their point of need, but he's not serving for that. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to obey God, follow the plan of God, do the will of God. I'm serving his purpose. As a result, their need will be met. I'll be what I need to be to them. But then it takes the pressure off of me on how I meet it. And that's what you need to do even in your companies. Okay, number 14. A leader is committed. Committed to what? To the vision, to the goal. Committed to the people. Committed to himself. Needs to be committed to God. It takes a commitment. You know, when I pastored, one of the things that we had going at the time, I don't think it's probably as prevalent today as it was then. It may be, but... I don't think it is as bad. We had a lot of cruisomatics. You know what I mean by that? Church hoppers, floaters, you know. They'd go to grace a while, they'd go to victory a while, they'd come to faith a while, you know, they just kind of move in and out. So Bob and Billy Joe and I got to fellowship it, and so once a month we'd have lunch and we'd talk. And so what we decided was, what would happen is we'd teach on a certain subject, people would get mad and leave. So we just all decided to preach the same thing at the same time. <laughs> so it didn't matter where they went, they was miserable. <laughs> at a time like that, you can tell who's committed. Okay? The reality of it shows up. 
If a leader is not committed, how can the people be committed? You're the example. Your commitment to God, your commitment to the people. See, I have a commitment to our people to make life the best I can for them. Financially, spiritually, morally. See, I personally believe that the church world, whether it's a Christian company or whether it's a church, ought to be doing by its people as much as what the world is doing. That's a personal conviction of my own heart and life. And that's one we aim at and try to get to just as quick as possible. You know? Because I don't think as children of God they ought to come behind in any good thing. But that's a personal commitment. Somebody else may not have that commitment. But I believe you've got to have some commitments to something. Commitment to God, commitment to yourself. Number 15, this is one that's hard on some people. They're challengers. They will challenge you. Remember I said, I don't intend to leave you like I found you? You'll inspire. Is this biblical? Yeah, have you ever read in Romans where it says, and provoke one another to good works? Amen. That's what that is. You're provoking one another to good works. You're challenging them to do better. What was my daddy doing when he drew that little square on that boat that day? He was challenging me right then. I met the challenge. He gave me another challenge. Then he taught me how to challenge myself. I read this years ago and it just stuck in my heart. The difference between the amateur and the professional. See, the amateur competes with others. The professional competes with himself. What's the difference? You see, I'm trying to do better than what I did last time. I don't care what anybody else does. See, my job is to do the best I can with me. Okay? Now, in that, what you're doing by challenging people is getting them to learn how to become self-challengers, self-motivators, moving them in. Okay. Now, you do it from an inspirational standpoint, not a negative standpoint. You're not challenging their work. What kind of work is this? Well, you look at them saying, hey, listen, I know you're a good worker. I know you can do better than that. I've seen it before. Come on, you can do it. You're provoking one another to good works. That has to be. How many know some people never do anything unless they're provoked? That's the only way you can get some people off a of dead center. You know, they're hung. That's why they have to have a challenge. See, for me, uh, I got so many challenges on my own, I don't need anybody else to challenge me. It's all I can do to keep up with the challenge I present myself. You know? You know, one of the things I discovered about myself, I got so many ideas, I need some ideas how to fulfill my ideas. <laughs> That's a challenge. Coming up with enough ideas to pull off all the things that I'm thinking about doing. You know, we were looking, uh, going over in a director's meeting the other day in the ministry, you know, what we're going to be doing for the ministers and all. You know, and I realized, hey, we've got to have some ideas how to pull some of this off. 
want to do more. But I can't wait for somebody else to come up with an idea. I can't wait for somebody else to challenge me. I have to challenge myself. And as with that, if you'll challenge yourself, you'll learn that other people are challenged by your challenge. Okay? Vital for you. Number 16, they're trustworthy. Trustworthy. Boy, how important that is. How many know they can't follow you unless they trust you? How many know some people aren't worthy of trust? See, that's what keeps them from being a good leader. Have you ever failed someone in their trust? I have. Hate to admit it. Ashamed of it. I've blown it. As one fellow said, high, wide, and handsome. I know about the wide part anyway. But there and blowing it. Boy. Ashamed, embarrassed, hated. But all I can do is get honest with myself and say, hey, I messed up. I blew it. I'm going to do my best never to do it again. And work to be worthy of their trust again. Let me know God's worthy of our trust. He hadn't blown it. He's made it right. But one of the wonderful things about God is he's a God of restoration. And even if you have blown it, he can restore you back to where you can be trusted again. Uh, particularly if you're trusting in him, it'll build trust. You'll become trustworthy. But you have to have that to be a leader. If they can't trust you, they don't want to follow you. It's their life that they're placing in your hands for the care and keeping. That becomes true of ministers with money. It becomes true of people offering their time. They've got to know that it's going to pay dividends for them somewhere at some point, somehow. And if you're not trustworthy, they're not going to be willing to follow you into the things that you're wanting to go into. Trustworthy, what does that mean? It means that they are accountable, predictable, reliable, mature, and maintain integrity. What are we saying trustworthy means? It means they're accountable. How many know everybody ought to be accountable to somebody? See, that's what's wrong with a lot of our people today. People don't want to be accountable to anybody else. You know, I know that kind of thing has been shoved too far. You know what I mean? Where we get people to controlling our lives. But God doesn't intend for it to be that way. See, accountability is a valuable and a viable part of your life. Husbands, you ought to be accountable to your wife. You may not want to hear that, but that's still reality. Wives, you need to be accountable to your husband. The Bible says, provides all things honest before all men. I mean, if you can't be accountable, hey, you can't be trustworthy. Well, what else? Predictable. What did God say about Abraham? He was predictable. I know he's going to judge righteously over his house. See, he was trustworthy because he was predictable. What else? Reliable, mature, and maintain integrity. Let me point something out to you that should help you relative to this realm of integrity. See, integrity is a thing of the heart. 
And even though a person does the wrong actions or says the wrong thing, they can still maintain integrity in their heart. Did you hear me? How many of you know David committed adultery and murder? And yet God said, he's a man after my own heart. And David had the audacity to write, I have stood in mine own integrity. Now, how could that be? A man who would lie, a man who would steal, a man who would murder. See, he got caught up in something, and there's a whole process. Uh, well, really, what happened with David when he got into trouble was very simple. He was a man of war, and he should have been out in war. And what was he doing? Sitting up on top of the house, eyeballing the women. How <laughs> I many know you were inviting trouble? Huh? See, when he got caught up in that deception, there he is, stealing, killing. But the minute he was confronted with truth, now remember this, the minute he was confronted with truth, he said, that man needs to be dealt with. And the prophet says, it's you, pal. Are you here? See, he was blinded. He was deceived. But his heart was still in integrity. That helps some of you about some people you've seen and known. We have a tendency, once someone makes a mistake, you know, that's it. Forget them. Write them off. Honey, you better hope God don't ever adopt that attitude with you. Or you'll be run over by a lawnmower. Just a thought. <laughs> Moving right along. Let's put it another way. If a leader talks it, he needs to walk it. If he's going to talk it, he needs to walk it. Now what causes a problem is when a guy's talking and ain't walking. But how many know it's like Brother Hagin said, proof of the pudding's in eating. I mean, when a guy's producing the goods, that's it. You can count on it. Number 17. They are non-compromising when it comes to truth and the proper course of action. They are non-compromising when it comes to truth and proper course of action. You got people working for you, and something comes out that this is the truth. You got to be able to count on that leader to deal with it because it's truth. Okay? And you take a course of action that is just, that is right. Okay? Now, understand that there is a difference here that a lot of people haven't understood. See, some people think, well, is it fair? Uh, you need to get that out of your thinking. Okay, this thing of just or fair. I don't know if you know it, but the world's not fair. How many know life ain't fair? So forget things being fair. It comes down to one basic thing. Is it just? 
How many know God is a just God? And he deals with you justly. When he deals with you justly, it may not seem fair. You missed that. Did you get that? I said, when he deals with you justly, it may not seem fair. But it's just. See, under certain grounds, that's it. That's your just rewards. And there's a lot of Christians done a lot of things that want to stand around and gripe about God. You know, God ain't fair. No, he's just. And you got justly what's coming to you. <laughs> now, see, what most people want most of the time is grace yeah. rather than justice. I don't know about y'all, but I need grace. Hey? But what was just was justice. Are you following that? See, if, if you don't, and when you deal with people, it's got to be the same way. How I many know there's a time when you can't minister grace to some people? You've got to deal with what's just. It may seem fair in their mind. It may not seem fair in their mind. But it is just. What do we mean just? Right. It has righteousness in it the right thing to do and that's one of the things that you have to see about a leader is they do the right thing okay it's very important so they're non-compromising when it comes to the truth and proper course of action just has to run its course number 18 they're competent how many know if you're incompetent it's hard to be a leader nobody wants to follow someone who's incompetent You've got to have the skills, you've got to have the abilities, you've got to have the wherewithal to be the leader God wants you to be. You can't have the blind leading the blind. It doesn't work. Number 19. He's compassionate. He has human sensitivity, tact, or dis- diplomacy. Sensitive to where people are at. That's very important. You know what I always try to do? Is I try to put myself in the situation with them and identify with them. If I was in their position and had done this, you know, what would be what? Then that keeps me sensitive to where they're at. Then they're ready to hear when I deal with it in the godly way, you know, and I say, but the word says this, and we need to deal with it accordingly. They can receive the word then because of the sensitivity. For a lot of people, they just make the word where it's out, out legalism and bondage. Well, the word says this, brother, you got to do that. I see. If you're going to be a good leader, you need to have some sensitivity to you, some compassion. Oh, let the love of God rule your heart. And not legalism. That's what's wrong with so many people. They operate off of the law. How many know the law can be cold, dead? Sure, there's rules and regulations. But those rules and regulations need to be carried out in love. With the compassion of meeting people where they're at. If the rules and regulations have no room for love, then I don't have any room for the rules and regulations. God is love. A compassion for them. 
How many know the Bible says to weep with those who weep? To rejoice with those who rejoice. See, there's got to be some sensitivity for you. Otherwise, you can't be the leader God wants you to. There's got to be some kind of identification there. Number 20. The leader accepts responsibility for themselves and for their actions. The leader accepts responsibility for themselves and their actions. How many know there's a mentality that started with Adam that's come on down through the ages that comes along and says, it's the devil's fault. He made me do it. How many know he can't make you do nothing? Somewhere along the way, you have to learn to accept responsibility for yourself and your actions. I mean, when you're wrong, you've got to judge it. It's wrong. When you're right, you got to judge it. It's right. You become responsible for yourself. If you won't be responsible for yourself, how can you be responsible for someone else? See, they can't, they can't accept it that way. you got to be responsible for you. How many know you have to be responsible for your words? I mean, the devil can talk through you, but it's still your mouth that you're allowed to be opened up. I mean, the devil can talk through you. Talk through Peter one time. Jesus is getting ready to go away. Peter jumped up and says, not so, not so, Lord. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Right then he became the mouthpiece for the devil. And if you're not careful, you can become the mouthpiece for the devil too. But if you take responsibility for yourself and acknowledge that and say, wait a minute, I was wrong there. Hold it. Let me retract that right now. You become responsible for yourself and your actions. I don't know I had, I, where you're at, but I had to train myself in some things. Because, you know, growing up the way that I did, you know what I mean? You're, you're just used to pulling stuff out and saying whatever, you know, felt good to be saying at the time and what have you. And how many know you can have all kinds of feelings? And as a result, you know what I mean? I'd be spitting out things. And so when I started setting a watch upon my lips and becoming accountable to myself, I remember one time in the, in the pulpit, I made a misstatement. And the Spirit of the Lord up inside me said, that's not right. Right then I said, shut up. That's not right. I corrected myself. I said, I just said something wrong. Y'all forgive me. Here's what should have been said. Somebody said, did that give you a loss of respect from the people? No. They saw me taking responsibility for myself. Well, if I'll take responsibility for myself, then I'll take responsibility for them. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? See, these are principles of what will cause you to be a leader. If they can recognize that you're doing it for yourself, then hey, they don't mind following you then. Number 21, leaders are innovators. They'll find a way. Where it don't look like there's a way, they'll make a way. Somebody says, well, brother, what if there isn't a way? Well, you hadn't looked at Jesus because he says, I am the way. There's always a way. That's one of the things we have a saying in our companies. Somebody says, well, we can't do that. Tell them, you, well, you go back and look again, there's a way. See, as long as you operate with attitude, there's no way. You'll never be the innovator. You'll never look for it. I mean, you know, in this day and age, we're going to have to be sharp. 
And the reason we're not getting in some places is because we're not willing to be the leaders and be innovative. Find a way to get in. And one of the interesting things we found out as we explored some things, you know, trying to reach the world with the gospel and getting the books out there. Did you know that Playboy owns a large percentage of the racks and airports and hotels and what have you? You know what? Someday we're going to find a way to have Playboy distributing our stuff. Oh, brother, you wouldn't have anything to do with them? Yeah, I'll get them working for me any day in the week. Better believe it. And they'll be happy at it. And you know what? They'll be making money for me. Glory to God. Felt a witness on that. But see, real religious people won't get innovative then. Oh, brother, you're mixing with the world. I ain't mixing with them. I'm getting them to work for me. Hey, the wealth of the sinner is supposed to be laid up for me. I mean, if anybody ought to be making money, it ought to be us. But you see, because we're not innovators, we won't start looking for the unusual. How many know there's a way to win your city if you're in a church? There's new markets out there. That's one of the things we confess all the time in business. There's new markets. Bless God, and we're tapping into them. One of our confessions is very simple. We're going to sell books anywhere in the world where books are sold. I don't care where it is. Well, brother, down at them movie houses where they have those peep shows and all that pornographic material, yeah, I think God's little instruction book would go good there. See? But see, you get into that religious mentality. See, I got news for you. I think you've discovered by now I ain't religious. And my mind don't click in that kind of thing. I think it's kept up walls. It's kept us out of all kinds of places and being effective. What does it mean? We need to be innovative. Find a way. It's there. Oh, brother, you can't reach those people. I got news for you. Everybody's reachable. The Bible said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Didn't say some, didn't say a few. Said all of them. You know, if they don't go to church, all they do is go to the peep show. Bless God, we're going to be at the peep show. That's hard on the religious minds, you know. But I'm in good company. Jesus had trouble with them too. Hallelujah. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.